You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hi, and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. Now, I feel like I've got a real treat for you guys today because this company that I'm talking to have been voted as one of the best places to work in the UK. So to be recognised for your company culture is a real achievement and something that is so worthwhile because it really shows that these guys are taking culture seriously and care about their people. So today I'm talking to Luke Kite, Head of Operations at Redico, who's going to tell us all about their award-winning culture and reveal what they've done to get their company culture to that point. So let's get started. Hi Luke and welcome to Make It Thrive. Give us an introduction to yourself and tell our audience what you do there at Redico. Sure, Um, hi Lizzie, it's great to be on the show. Um, So I'm Luke, Head of Operations at Redico. And it's not a traditional operations role in the sense where I'm working day to day with clients and client services, but more in terms of the business and how the business operates. It was a role that was born out of our need to make significant cultural changes within the company. And it was, it was a new role created for me purposely to roll out all these cultural changes and improve the way that we ran things at Redico. Um, so day to day, I'm kind of responsible for that cultural shift and then day to day management of the business, I suppose, working underneath the managing director. Fantastic. Wow, that sounds like a really interesting role you have there. So I know this year at Redico, you were voted as the ninth best place to work in the UK. So I kind of feel like I'm talking to a bit of a company culture celebrity, as if it were. (laughs) Um, Tell us a little bit more about how you've created your culture at Redico in order to achieve such a title. Yeah, it took a long time. <laughs> um, I suppose it's easier to go back to the very beginning and, and the root cause for us implementing all these cultural changes. And it's back in 2017 or so where, as a company, we thought that we had everything we needed to have a great culture in the company. So we had all those traditional things like a beer fridge, a nights out, a table tennis table, an Xbox free food in the cupboards that, that come with the week, all, all that stuff that you think, oh, great, this is a happy place to work. People who enjoy coming into yeah. the office with a smile on their face. And for a while it worked. And then things started to kind of fall out of place. So we started using the Net Promoter Score um, with our team, so the EMPS survey, and thinking to ourselves, great, we're going to get this excellent or world-class score from from the from the survey getting the results back and actually we're having passives and detractors within that and the score was only around the 40 mark which is a good so obviously still okay but not we thought it really was so as a company we looked at this we started to look at the feedback and some of the stuff was around unnecessary management so for instance one person may say to their line manager can I work from home tomorrow and that line manager might say, yeah, sure. The next person goes up to their line manager, can I work from home tomorrow? And that separate line manager says no. And what that does is it causes 
confusion and frustration amongst the team. Mm. Like there's one set of rules for one person and one set for the other because it's not hard and fast what people should be doing. And this was the case on a lot of the various things that we were doing at Redico where actually we were there was too much management involved and we weren't freeing people up to, to be able to manage themselves effectively. And what we realised was that, yes, the beer fridge and the free food and the Xbox and the table tennis table, they're all great. They're all really good benefits and perks of being at the company. But it's not how much you give people for free, but how you can free people up to give more that really matters. And that's what people yeah. really want. And this Definitely. is where that cultural shift came from. So it was a case of, right, where do we need to go? What do we need to do to change this? and create a world-class culture within Redico. And it started off with a manifesto. So it was a, a 6,000 word document, which was put together by the directors of the company with inspiration from those MPS feedback scores, from speaking to the team, from reading some sort of massive books on culture, things like The Maverick um, and The Happy Manifesto and, and the, uh, the Great Game of Business, all those kind of books that draw on cultures of other businesses really cool things they're doing and like well how can we do this as well how can we change what we've got at the moment because we've got a company that's working well the clients are happy we've always been really good at what we do as a company but ultimately we want to make sure that we're doing exactly the same for the team as well so this manifesto came about six thousand words six core areas of the business we wanted to change and from that we started rolling it out so amongst that was work-life balance so looking at how we could give people an unlimited holiday allowance, how we could let people work from home whenever they wanted to, how we could let people choose their own hours, how we could pay people for every time they're sick, how people could choose their own managers, how we could change the recruitment process to make sure we bring on the right people, how people could set their own targets. All of these elements came into this manifesto because ultimately we wanted to create a culture where it was completely self-managing. So rather than having managers and people telling people what to do and, and all the problems that you get with that, all the hierarchical problems that come with that mm, business, definitely. we wanted to create a self-managing one, a self-regulation system where people ultimately could control their own productivity and what they do and focus more on the output of what they yeah. do rather than the input. Because yes, a lot of businesses work nine to five, five days a week. But that's all about the input, not necessarily the output, the, how productive people are, the actual results that people are achieving on a day-to-day -day basis. So as a company, that's what we wanted to focus on more was that output rather than the input. And that's that's kind of where it was all born from. Definitely. That sounds fantastic. And I mean, especially in regards to, you know, actually looking at the, um, you know, the impact of your culture. I mean, funnily enough, I actually um, wrote a post on it yesterday on the Liberty Mind blog, but a lot of people do ask, you know, should we measure the impact of culture? Because you can start a, a very engaging culture and then you can kind of think you've got all the boxes ticked, but then it's not until, you know, perhaps you have some people leave and, you know, a few things kind of come up in the exit interview and you think, oh, hang on a minute. We thought we had everything everything covered mm. um and it's so interesting that you've you've already tapped into you know measuring it and and keeping it as a as a journey and auditing it and making sure that actually even though you've got those you know traditional sort of work perks you're also looking at the overall impact that that culture is having on people so I think that's an incredible thing to start with and that's something I, I always recommend to organization is you know look at how it really is 
impacting your team and your people before you start making any changes because a lot of the time employers think they know best but do they um you know so it's it's good to get a real feel from the team as to to what they need in order to work better so i think you guys have done an awesome job at that yeah, i mean it took, it took a while to get there well I think it's definitely sort of proving it's worth especially when you've been able to achieve such a title I mean obviously at Redico you went through quite a culture change Um, and to many organizations this can seem very scary you know people are, are still quite reluctant to invest in culture and there's a lot of uncertainty involved you know will it work will people get on board so what kind of actions did you guys take to really ensure that people were committed to this change that you guys were implementing yeah sure so obviously the the manifesto was when that was first released and announced to the team and presented it creates a, a big buzz because people are looking at what the company could become in the future and get excited about it because it's Mm. change it's completely different to how the company was operated and how 95 percent of other businesses in the uk operate so it's, it's an amazing thing for people to be able to look at and what's really important with getting the the team on board is including them throughout the process so not having it as this is what we're going to do and then we're just going to roll it out but actually getting people involved throughout that of how it can actually work and be manageable because one of the big things that companies will probably think when they're looking at things like this is oh it's not possible for my business or our business is too big or we can do all of that or it's too extreme but actually if you're going to be able to do it that team needs to be involved from from day one so obviously the manifesto was created initially from that mps feedback so comments and thoughts on what we were doing that perhaps wasn't right or could be improved and different processes and procedures that we could improve on to make life at Redico better. So that's where the manifesto first came from, was that initial feedback. And then after that, it's getting insights into how things could possibly work. Because one of the things that a lot of leaders of businesses think is that they have to know everything or they have to have all the answers. And ultimately, it's it's often the team that can come forward with a lot more suggestions and solutions and solve the problems that you're having, because they're living and breathing the company on a day-to-day basis. They're they're ultimately servicing clients or, or working on content or creating websites, whatever it is they're doing, they're dealing with the, the day-to-day problems in the office and mm. can present these solutions and, and ways that we could manage things better. So throughout the process, what I did was okay, right, the next bit we're going to do, for instance, is to have people choose their own managers. But I didn't know necessarily how that was going to work. It was just, (laughs) (laughs) in my head, I kind of brainstormed a few ideas and I thought, okay, it could work this way, it could work this way. But actually, ultimately, it was then a case of, right, sit down with the team. This is what we're going to do. Let's get some ideas of how it could work. So how could these roles be split up? How could we do appraisals? How could we use salary setting? How can all these sort of problems that come about because of the way we're going to change things be resolved? And another one is just around flexible working because one of the biggest problems in my head was, okay, so at the moment, at the time, we've got 20 people working potentially 20 different work patterns. They might be working from home. They've got all this annual leave they could take whenever they wanted to. Something has to go wrong. No one's going to know where one is people could be at home in the office in the cafe down the park working from home on annual leave whatever it is so how could this possibly work and 
again, it all comes down to talking to the team and working out how it can work and how we can resolve this and actually create something that's great for everyone. So from a team perspective, that's definitely one of the big things is how you can sort of include that team and make sure that they're involved throughout. And another one is is around momentum. So making sure that you build momentum because, again, as I mentioned earlier, we kind of obviously this manifesto gets presented to the team and all these amazing changes we're going to do. But if you don't roll anything out for six, nine months, it becomes stagnant. It's one of those promises that never gets delivered again, which, which yeah. again, demotivates people. So rather than sitting on it and stalling it, we had to have a roadmap in place which said, right, this is how we're going to do it. By this date, this will have happened. By this date, this will have happened. So you're constantly building momentum, constantly rolling new things out. And again, from a company perspective, it makes sure that you can get one thing in place, make sure it works, and then bring the next thing in rather than rushing everything at once or making sure that actually things are ticking along nicely rather than stalling. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a very practical solution to to implementing it because like you say, changes happen and sometimes it's so sudden and, and people can't really get on board with it. Whereas almost that sort of nurturing through some of those processes and some of those new concepts actually helps people adopt them much more naturally and much more easily than a, a massive wave of change all at once, which a lot of people kind of go, oh, hang on a minute. This is quite a lot to take on. Absolutely. So yeah definitely practical I mean I know we've chatted a lot about kind of the the autonomy in the company culture that you're really establishing and giving people the responsibility to take ownership is something that's obviously very important how has that been implemented in your culture how is it kind of actioned in the day-to-day yeah so now at Redico it's all about self-regulation so whether it's uh, booking annual leave working from home choosing your hours there's no line manager approval process in place at all. So it very much is a case of we let the team decide how they want to work and how they work best. Because ultimately, one of the things we were looking at is that everyone is very different. So again, we come back to that nine to five regime that a lot of businesses work. And again, sometimes, sometimes for a necessity, but a lot of the time, probably through not, it's just as a habit, a habit of businesses, nine to five. People can work from home or people can work different hours, those nine to fives. Why not let them? Some people work best in the morning. Some people work best in the afternoon. Some people are night hours and work best in the evening or into the night. And because of that, why do we, as a nation or as a, throughout the world, kind of say, right, you have to work these set hours when you might not necessarily be at your most productive, rather than say to people, you tell us when you're most productive get the job done and we'll just measure the output at the end of it, not necessarily when or how you're doing it. So that's why we say to people, you, you have that freedom and that, that sense of self-regulation to manage how much annual leave you take, when you need to take annual leave, whether it's a case of, oh, I've got a wedding to go to or I've had extra, uh, a friend's commitment I need to go to, rather than running out of holiday, which a lot of people do, juggling that work-life balance and being, okay, right, I'll take more holiday here, because I know that I've got this project wrapped up and I've handed it over it well and all that kind of stuff. Choosing when you work from home, again, because some people love coming in the office. I'm one of those people that actually likes coming in the office, being around people, socialising. But a lot of people actually find that yeah. distracting and the conversations that might be had or, or meeting other people actually distracts them from what they should be doing or what they want to be doing. 
And actually, they prefer to work from home because of that, or they like to get out of home and go and work down the cafe. Whatever it is, again, everyone's very different. So that's why people can work mm. from home, choose their hours, book leave, all through themselves with no approval. It's all around, for us, making sure that you don't have a negative impact. And that's one of the big things we say. A lot of companies have, have got in touch and asked, well, how do we do unlimited holiday? What are the rules around it? Or how do you manage the people choosing their own hours? But there isn't any hard and fast guidelines or rules or regulations around it because that kind of detracts from what we're trying to do, which is to bring people up and let yeah. them choose. So rather than having a long list of rules and guidelines, it's very much all we expect is you to make positive impacts. Don't have a negative impact on your job, on your team, on the company, on clients you're working with. We just want to see positivity around everything you're doing. So check with your team to make sure that the whole department's not going to be off on the same day and just make sure that a positive impact throughout. So for, for us, it's just saying, look, be an adult. An adult is capable of managing their own time, managing their productivity, managing how they want to do things. So we ask that everyone just, well, everyone is treated like an adult and we ask that everyone behaves like an adult. Definitely. I think it's it's so true because, you know, when people are given the responsibility, you know, they actually take it on. And we, we're so used to almost babysitting people in the workplace. And that's that's not how people want no, to be absolutely. treated. And not not very productive and engaged um, team. You know, there's, there can be a lot of resentment harbored when that kind of um, culture is created, where when you actually give people the flexibility and the autonomy to do their work as they need to, um, you get much better results. You really do. So um, since the culture shift, what has the impact been on, on the team itself? Is there any sort of particular, I suppose, um, case studies or um, are, are people happier, more engaged? Have you seen any particular results? Yeah, so it? in terms of results, it's, it's been really significant. So we've got to a place now as a company where we've got the right people in the right seats. So this cultural transition isn't for everyone. And at the, at the time that we had to do it, there were people that weren't right for the company anyway. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. it, this kind of thing, this kind of self-regulation and self-management isn't right for everyone. So we've now got a place where we've got the right people no. in the right seat, all driving towards common goals and shared goals with the company. Our recruitment process has been refined to make sure that we can bring in the right people to continue to grow the team. And ultimately, they're happier than ever before. So the NPS that I talked about early on, where we were expecting yeah. to have a a world-class score, but we was only around the 40 mark. Well, that's jumped up to 96, which is in the world-class catchment and the top you can get. So it's wow. <laughs> from, uh, from that internal happiness side, it, it's a massive jump. Um, I think the, the most recent one was something like, well, what have we got? 25. So it was, it was 24 promoters and one passive, which was an eight. An eight out of 10 is not bad as your, as your lowest score. Uh, 10. Wow. So I remember speaking to um, Tom before and they said that that's the highest they've ever seen a, an, an, an internal NPS, which for us is great because it shows that what we've done, all that hard work, yeah. and the time that it's taken to do this, as well, it's kind of bearing fruit now and actually has shown that it was, it was a really good thing to do. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot from it now. And externally as well, so our client NPS, as I said before, we've always been really great with clients. We've always delivered a great service. So our previously our NPS was an excellent, so around the 60 mark. But since all of these changes, that's also jumped up to world-class as well. So around the 80 mark. 
um, which just shows that actually the saying is true that the happier the team, the happier the clients, and that actually Definitely. things don't go wrong if you if you give people more freedom <laughs> and more trust and more responsibility and let them have say on, on how much holiday they have let them work from home when they want to let them choose their own hours nothing's gone wrong like clients are happier so it's not a, it's, it, it might be a correlation obviously you can't prove that it's causation it might just be a correlation but what it shows is that it doesn't go down it, it just goes up so um from that side of things those two measurable sides yeah it, it's, it's been great and there's also the the gut feel as well so strange one but yeah the one you can't really measure is when you walk into an office environment and your gut feeling is that the mood isn't right, that people aren't necessarily yeah, happy definitely. or whatever it is. It's, it's one of those things that it's just that, that gut feeling. And, and since all these changes, that has, again, completely gone. So I used to walk into the office and think, OK, there's something going on here. There's something sort of bubbling below the surface that isn't quite coming out. But since that, it's just a completely different environment. Sort of everyone's getting on, everyone loves their job, everyone's like just it, coming together as a, as a real team and like looking after each other and having each other's backs. And it's just a case where actually we've got an adult environment where people have that responsibility to truly be able to manage themselves and have a positive impact on what they're doing, have more purpose and more meaning to everything they're doing on a day to day basis. That is absolutely fantastic. I mean, like you say, it's brilliant that, you know, you have that measurability with the NPS scores. That's fantastic. And even, you know, like you say, that that gut feeling, I, I always say this to a lot of organizations, you probably just know if it's right or if something no, isn't right. And, you it's know, hard to explain it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's very much Definitely. I think sometimes we're so used to measuring things by the numbers and the data that we also just sometimes forget about our, our general human instinct about whether something's wrong or right. And it's it's good to have the measurability because it gives you some, um, you know, real um, almost, you know, research to, to give you direction, which is fantastic. But even just that initial kind of gut instinct of, oh, something's not right. Perhaps we should do a bit of a, a survey to see what's going on and see what the underlying feelings are because that can you know instig start instigating the change so I couldn't agree more with you on on the the gut instinct side of it it really is important so obviously culture is very uh, a very integral part of your business at Redico and it's incredible to sort of hear the success of it especially as you've you know spent time and money investing in your culture and and changing it as some companies are still quite sort of reluctant to see it as a worthwhile investment what kind of advice would you give to people that are still kind of on the fence about yeah culture? Um, so I've got I've got a few tips I suppose so firstly a bit of a strange one but it's not for everyone <laughs> <laughs> In the sense that <laughs> if you've got the mindset where you don't think it's going to work, it probably won't. So if you really, yeah. if you go in with the wrong mindset, then, then you're bound to fail. So you need to have the right mindset or at least go into it thinking that it is possible to make change and it will have a positive impact on the business. So firstly, I would say that for, for leaders of businesses looking to make this change, you've got to have the right mindset or believe that it could potentially work. Um, secondly, I would say absolutely a must is getting the team involved. So throughout the process, you have to get the team involved in this. So actually ask them what they want from the company. What are those cultural benefits they want? How do they want to work? How do they want to operate as a team? What's kind of going to give them more motivation, more purpose on a day-to-day -day basis? 
And then throughout the changes that you make, so if you go ahead and, and decide to roll out a, a list of changes in the company, again, make sure you're keeping the team involved. So asking them their thoughts on how things are going. Can we improve sort of the process at the moment? Can we make changes? Is this working? Is this not working? Again, just always keeping that team involved and making sure that it's one team sort of moving together and rolling this out. Um, I think focus on what would make people more productive and give them more purpose. So again, for us, it's giving people that self-regulation is that they now have that freedom to choose how they work and when they're most productive. For a lot of businesses, of course, it's not possible to, to have that level of of flexibility just because of the, the way the business runs obviously public services wouldn't be able to operate in that way but for businesses especially ones that work online and digitally there's no reason why sort of that productivity can't be improved by letting the team choose how and when they work best and i think finally it's 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 having someone that's dedicated to running the process of the cultural change so when the manifesto was released I was freed up to be able to then implement this and make the changes because if if there isn't someone who actually can focus on this and bring this around, it again, nothing happens and it's just, it's there, it becomes stagnant, it yeah. becomes stale. So you need to have someone who's dedicated and responsible for rolling these changes out and making sure they can work. Definitely. No, I think I would agree with all of those points, Luke, wholeheartedly. It's very practical action, which I always like. So um, I think they're very valid points that a lot of businesses will be able to adopt. So thank you so no, much for well. sharing those with us. And um, thank you for joining us. I mean, I really do believe that you guys have got a real culture success story and I think so many other businesses can learn from the way that you guys have implemented it and actioned it and really you know strategized how you want your company culture to feel which um, is so important to create happier workplaces you know we all want to go to work and feel feel good about the work we're doing and um, I think it's you guys have got a, a real success on your hands and it's great to see and, and keep up with all of what you're doing um but thank you so much no, for thank joining you very us much today for me on. it's been a pleasure to be here um and yeah just just believe it can happen and it will <laughs> thank you Lizzie. <laughs> thank you luke you've been listening to make it thrive the company culture podcast with me your host lizzie benton if you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture don't forget to subscribe Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.